Are you lacking accountability and structure to find your next? I was. Are you a business leader or retired athlete looking for your next identity? This is the place for you. This is the Business Athlete Performance Lab. Hi, I'm Keith Billis, and this is Live in the Lab. All right. A little bit of weirdness in front of the camera there for anybody who's watching. Because I'm like, hey, where's the button? Where's the button? I can't get it going. How did you go viral on TikTok? You were on America's Got Talent. How much do you get paid to be on AGT? Oh, you didn't get paid. Keith and Steve here in live in the lab. You're a great interviewer. I love it. 48 miles, 48 hours. And not just once. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I hit 50 last time and I'm like, yeah, things are a little different than they were 10 years ago. So trust me, things are to keep. You have no time for the BS that much yeah. of society seems to put on the table. Why is that? Like what you're talking about is real right now. Right? There's just no bullshit here, but it's just real. We brought you in with some Marley. I said, Joseph, let's talk music for a second. You said, well, Keith, oldies, 60s, 70s, and 80s. I've never talked to a sir before. Why are you a sir? In many ways, we're the same story. I came from nothing. <laughs> You came from nothing. I think the old saying goes that if you want a trophy, you climb Everest. If you want respect, you climb K2. I've built an AI myself, and it's pretty fascinating when you can have a conversation with yourself with your own knowledge. Have you done that before? Why are we rushing to make these tools if they're all they're going to do is hurt humanity? Does the world need an Oppenheimer moment with AI? What a fun show. Hey, everybody. Keith here, live in the lab. I'm live in the Jeep. You're thinking, what's he doing right now? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing right now. I'm shooting my opener. It's no month. It's no month. No. No peanut butter for this guy for the month. I'm starting to feel a little chubby, a little chunky, a little insulated as we head towards the, the Christmas season. All right, so why am I recording to you in the truck? Well, I'll tell you why. My, uh, my morning routine, completely thrown off guard. Why is that? And no hat. <laughs> A lot of parking space up here today. So what's the scoop you're wondering? What's the scoop you're wondering? Well, let me tell you what the scoop is. We all have our routines, our structure. What do you do when those routines or structure get thrown out of whack? Well, well, I'll tell you this morning, my dogs woke me up, typical time, went up and fed them. But I was a little tired late night last night. It's Halloween, right? My face is in the cookie jar. My face is in the peanut. Mm, this one or this one? What did I do? I went back, put my head down. Startled to be awoken at 7.41. Baby, yeah, it's 7.41. Oh my goodness, I look at Lauren. Yeah, we slept in. We slept in. I never sleep in. I never sleep in. So, daddy, I have to get in the truck and drive those kids to school and heading back to the lab to get back in front of the desk and get to work so a little off and I thought I would express myself in the Oprah today what happens when things just go so when shit goes sideways coming up on today's show we got David Baga David Baga interesting fellow came across his LinkedIn profile feed a couple weeks ago and said hey we got a chat corporate hoops runs a podcast highest selling Highest recommended medical sales device professional in the United States. David Baga coming up today live in the lab just here in a few seconds. So I'm going to stop this video, 
going to throw it back to the desk or I'm going to be sitting when you see me next and we're going to go from there. You got Keith Billis here. It's Wednesday. We're funking it up, bringing it into the lab. Hey, do you ever... Do you ever feel like you're part of something early? You're watching something special unfold in front of your eyes? You know that feeling you're in a nightclub with a couple of hundred other people? Maybe ten. Maybe there's just you and your friend. You're watching this artist on stage. They're special. They're doing spectacular work. You see them getting better every single show. And you're like, yeah, I like this artist. I like what they're putting out there. I can buy into it. I'm really, I'm really vibing. I'm digging it. Then you take that artist and you wrap your arms around them. And you become a fan. You're like, yes, they're mine. And you watch that artist go from 200 to 300 person clubs. To 500, 500 person clubs. Next time they're through town, they're doing, they're doing the concert hall. The concert hall. You can hear the music in the background there. Then, they make their way from the concert hall. And where do they head next? They head to the arena. And then after they leave the arena, they're back a few years later, and they're in the stadium. And you're saying to yourself, Wow, I remember when that artist was in that 200-seat club with me, and they were awesome. Now I'm here with 30,000 other fans that love this artist like I do. You know what I'm talking about. Those early shows of Drake, The Weeknd, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, isn't our audience, guys? Retired athletes? Ah, we all know we're closet Swifties. And I know why we are closet Swifties. We're closet Swifties because our wives and our daughters, they all love Taylor Swift. Got a little note from Kurt Stein. He posted it on LinkedIn. Little tip, little tip to all you retired athletes and business guys. A great way to connect with your family. Go to the Taylor Swift movie. Yeah, sit for a couple hours. Don't gotta spend thousands of dollars going to the stadium. Go watch the movie. Spend some time with the family. But hey, putting Taylor aside, bring us back to the conversation. Thirty thousand fans. You're in the stadium and you're like, hmm. I don't feel like they're mine anymore. I wish we were back to the days of 200-seat clubs. So why am, I, why am I sharing all this with you? Because that's what I feel like is unfolding right in front of us right now here live in the lab. Every single show, we're getting better. Every single show, we're catching our vibe. Every single show, the creative machine is falling into place. We're trying to do things differently here in the lab. This is not a hobby cast. No, this is a show. We're here to entertain you, inform you. Notice I didn't say inform and entertain. Everybody else is informing. Let them inform. We're going to entertain and inform and bring you along for the ride. I want to create a show that I would be entertained by. Something that would fill up 30, 45, 60 minutes of my day. Something that I can connect to. A community that I can connect to. And that's what we're doing here in the lab. This Friday, dropping in the lab, Dale Weiss. Life after the buzzer, retired NHL athlete. Since he was five years old, identified with, with, with a dream, with becoming a professional hockey player. He achieved it. Played for 13 years. Then he wakes up today doing this. 
I, I, I thought I was an athlete. I want to be a business guy, but I don't know what to do next. So Dale, in a very vulnerable interview with myself, opens up this Friday after the buzzer. Brand new segment. We're coming back. We're creating special content here live in the lab. Every single day, we're bringing in an incredible guest to share their stories, pull the rapper back, be authentic, be raw. Today, we have David Baga coming up. So I invite you, if you're just tuning in for the first time into Live in the Lab, go back to some of our shows. You can see the progression from show one to yesterday. The confidence is riding high. The quality of music is getting better. The audience is starting to get what we are putting together here. The audience, you, is starting to drink the Kool-Aid. And when the audience starts to drink the Kool-Aid, we all rise to the top. So, if you can see like I can see to the stadium, because we're going to be in the stadium, I invite you today into the club. Let's connect. Let's get to know one another. The easier that you get to know me and the better I get to know you, the better content we can create so we can go fill stadiums and then invite other people along the way. We are the only, the only talk show specifically made for business leaders and retired athletes. The only talk show. So, we know today is the beginning of no month. No month, I'm saying no to peanut butter. So, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to reach off the camera over here. Bring my peanut butter jar, my good old Adams, best peanut butter around, I'm telling you. Got my masking tape, we're going to tape it up, all right? We're going to tape this baby up, we're going to put it on here behind me, and it's going to sit there for at least a month. And I'm going to say no to peanut butter. So I invite you to say no to something, maybe it's sugar, maybe it's peanut butter, maybe it's any kind of butter. Maybe it's just putting drinks aside for a month. Nah, I'm not asking you to become sober. Nobody's saying be sober. Just put some drinks aside for a few weeks. Go get your blood work done instead. I don't know. Maybe there's different choices you can make. And one of those choices is to say no more often than yes. That's the no month here, live in the lab. Time to segue. We're going to ask our guest what he's saying no to this month. David Baga. He's over here on the screen. I'm going to look that way. We're going to bring David Baga into the lab and have a conversation with David Baga. Joining us live in the lab. David. Keith, how are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you for joining me and my taped up jar of peanut butter today. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love the intro, man. Thanks for having me. This is great. I'm, uh, I'm extremely excited to have you here. The highest rated medical device professional in the united states yeah so it's the uh, the most i'll, I'll make sure it's I reliable. correct me correct me yeah, I'll make sure I'm it right so i'm not misleading anybody um out there especially on linkedin uh, yeah i'm the you know knock on wood i'm the most recommended med device recruiter on linkedin by by candidates i have almost 300 uh recommendations on linkedin um it's taken me a little over 10 years to build that. So it's something that I'm, I'm proud of to this day. So, yeah. And you should be proud of that. It's, it, it was one of the reasons that one, so first of all, I stumbled upon your, uh, your, your post in the feed about corporate hoops and we'll get there in a few moments. But then I looked into your profile and I was astonished who uses that word, but I was astonished by 
by what you had accomplished. And I'm, and I said to myself, self, that is a lot of work, a lot of work and a lot of commitment and a lot of focus and a lot of diligence specifically saying to yourself, I'm going to go and become successful in this because it just didn't happen by accident. You had to go and nurture that work that probably put a lot of effort into that. Explain to myself and the audience, David, how you achieved that this accomplishment. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for the, thank you for the kind words. Uh, yeah, I, I was a, uh, my, my dream, you know, kind of backtracking about 12 years ago, I wanted to be in broadcasting. Um, I was a former college uh, basketball player and brief overseas basketball player. I played college basketball at the university of Arizona. And then, uh, I tried very hard to play overseas in England and in Finland and in Wales. And then, uh, in the NBA D league at the time. And, you know, I just, it just wasn't meant to be. And uh, it was about a good year of trying out, flying all over the country, flying all over the world, just anywhere that would give me a chance to play. And, and um, I think I heard no probably almost a hundred times. And um, I remember on one of the plane rides home, uh, one of the guys told me, he said, if you're hearing no this much, you should probably go into sales. And we all just kind of started laughing about it. And but I always had a passion for broadcasting. And so that was my next, that was my next kind of thing that I wanted to tackle when I was 24 at the time and uh, moved to LA for about two years. Um, I was broadcasting. I got my first gig was doing the play by play uh, for the Long Beach state university women's basketball team. I did that for two seasons and uh, I was on their internet radio. And um, so it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. I made some great relationships, had some great, times along the way. And, and uh, in, in between that, I was interviewing at ESPN LA, Pac-12 Network, uh, Fox Sports 1 when they were getting that off the ground. Because um, my dream was to be a sideline reporter okay. in, the, in the NBA. That was, my, that was my dream. I kept telling myself, when you, when you go to a restaurant and you're with your significant other, I want you seeing me on that TV at the bar. And that was, that was my hope. And, That's a uh, cool dream, David. Like, that is a... <laughs> To anybody in my audience listening to that has got to put a big grin on their face because you can relate to that. I, I can completely relate because those faces become synonymous forever, don't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I kept thinking, I, I would tell my friends, I would, I would tell them after the, after the pro basketball dream died, I would just, I would tell them, I'd be like, look, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to give this a shot. I was like, I don't know where I'm going, what I'm heading off to do, and, but I'm going to try. And uh, I said, I was like, the dream is if one day on a Saturday night, even if you're drunk at the bar, you're going to see me on TV <laughs> and you're going to, you're going to know, you're going to be like, Hey, I, I, I went to school with that guy or I played basketball with that guy or, or something, you know? And so, um, so it was a two year run. Uh, I had an agent, I was grinding a lot. Um, I didn't really have much, much free time to, uh, to do much else. Um, and so, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, after a lot of auditions, a lot of interviewing, uh, didn't happen. Um, I had one, I had one job offer. It was from, I want to say it was from an NBC station or, a, or an ABC station up in like, what was it, like Boise, Idaho. And, and so I just wasn't, I didn't want to go to Boise. I wanted to go big time. And, uh, I didn't understand that really you have to start so small and then work your way up. How relatable to my intro then, isn't it? it because, because in my intro, I talk about, yeah. you know, listening to an artist or a comedian or, or a reporter in Boise, Idaho in front of a hundred people when your dream is to be in front of a million people or in front of a hundred thousand people in Oakland stadium, right? 
Yeah. And, and, you know, it was really humbling because at the time I was 20, I was 25 at the time. And so I had, I had an agent, I had people that I was talking to in the industry um, at the time, Golden State Warriors, uh, well, he's now the Golden State Warriors head coach, but he was an analyst for TNT at the time, Steve Kerr. He was kind of my indirect mentor. Like I would email him when I had questions and we met up a few times because of our connection playing college basketball at the University of Arizona. And, you know, he would tell me we had we had a team reunion in 2011. And I I told him that this is what I've been given an opportunity to do, broadcasting women's basketball. And he would tell me like, hey, if you need anything, just reach out. Like that's the type of guy that he is. And so I think I was probably emailing him like once a week or every other week just with questions. And, um, you know, God bless Steve. He would respond whenever he could. And um, he really is, you know, the salt of the earth and, um, and just a wonderful human being. So I'm grateful for that type of advice that he gave me. I want to hang on that, what you just said. And I want to interrupt you and I apologize, but I want to hang on that. You said you emailed him weekly. Many of my, many of my I'd say, audience that want to take the next step and have success are stuck. And they're reluctant to send the email. With all respect, you're a young punk sitting at your BlackBerry, your iPhone, or your, or your laptop, and you're just banging off the emails, weren't you? What did you just have no fear? Yeah, I mean, I uh, you know, for better or for worse, I mean, I think my personality is um, probably pretty. I mean, I'm a former athlete, right? So it's like <laughs> I'm pretty loud, and you know, I happen to be six five, six six. So it's like you leave an impression. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, for better or for worse, right? So. <laughs> You know, I'll walk into a room and and I and I don't touch alcohol. I don't drink. I just I happen to be unfortunately a very loud human being, and I'm very blunt. And um, it can rub some people the wrong way. It could also, you know, some people might see it and they'd be like, "Hey, I want to work with this guy or I want to talk to this guy." And so, uh, Steve had a very or he still has, if you watch him coach. He has a very uh, calm demeanor about him, but if you remember seeing in the last dance, he can turn it on like that, and he's super competitive. And so um, we had some great conversations. Uh, we did. We had a lunch. Um, I think it was. I want to say it was in twenty. It was in late twenty eleven before the college basketball season started, and it was supposed to be about an hour, and it wound up being about three and a half hours. And we just we were talking hoops. We were talking all things Michael Jordan. Um, and we were talking all things broadcasting and, um, and yeah, and I, I would email, I emailed a ton of people and, you know, besides Steve guys like Darren Ravel, Jeff Goodman, uh, just people that I knew in the industry or that had covered us when I was playing at U of A and there were people that didn't respond and I didn't, you know, I, I knew I was like, all right, you're probably going to, you're probably not going to hear from everybody, but the ones that I did hear from, I remembered, I was like, all right, I'm going to write down all the advice that they have and I'm going to you know, just apply it to this and whatever I venture into. And that's, that's what I did. That's really cool. That, so, so let's continue your journey uh, from college basketball player, uh, aspiring broadcaster uh, to the accolades that you have today um, at the David Bagger company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, in 20, in 2012, late 2012, uh, during the, uh, the season for the Long Beach state women's team, I kind of, when I kind of knew that the, that the, uh, you know, the broadcasting wasn't going to happen. Uh, I just wasn't getting very much traction. And it had been almost two years at this point. Uh, I was living in LA. I was dating somebody and we had also broken up. So I was like, all right, I need to get back home to Orange County now. And I need to figure it out. And, and I'm, you know, very fortunate too. I have two parents that are still together. They've always kind of been my, 
you know, my rock and my sounding board. And uh, I just sat down with them and, and I pretty much broke down emotionally. And I was like, I have no idea where I'm going. And I was like, I have these skills, but I just don't know where, where this is going to be taking me, where, where I want to go. And um, one of the, one of the people that I met, I think when I was interviewing, I want to say it was with ESPN LA or maybe the Pac-12 network. They had a friend uh, that was a sales rep at a company called Paychex. And, um, and I had been, I had moved back to Orange County at this point and I was playing pickup basketball at our local gym. And there was a guy there that, who also had worked for the company Paychex. And he had told me, he said, he's like, Hey, you might want to check these guys out. They hire a lot of people without experience. And uh, for those of people that aren't familiar, Paychex is a payroll company. They, you know, they supply payroll to small businesses and they compete with a company called ADP, which is automatic mm -hmm. processing. So mm -hmm. both companies are pretty much world renowned, you know, depending on, I think, where you're at in sales. And if you know about that, that part of sales. And so they're both like what fortune 500 or fortune 1000 companies. And so, um, so I looked into the company and I didn't, I didn't want to go into sales. That wasn't, that wasn't my thing. I was just like, all right, I want to be just, you know, my dream. If I couldn't be on the TV when people are at yard house or at the bar, I'd want to be sitting in front of a webcam, just talking about basketball and sneakers all day, every day, maybe sprinkled in with some superhero stuff. Right. And so, um, but you know, I needed to make money and I needed to pay back some of my student loans. And, and I got to, uh, I got to paychecks and, um, what happened was the, the lady that hired me, uh, she actually got pregnant and she never came back. So my manager was expecting a baby. And so, myself and the three or four other new hires that were there, we were left on an island pretty much for about a year <laughs> or a little wow. over a year. And uh, during that time, I had gotten rid of all my social media when the broadcasting stuff ended because I had Instagram, I had Facebook, I had Twitter, um, and I was using it to promote myself as a broadcaster. And after that, it all happened. Uh, the one thing I didn't get rid of was LinkedIn. Because I remember one of the producers uh, from Fox Sports One was like, hey, you know, you're going to need this when you look for a job. Like LinkedIn is a lot more powerful than people think. And Keith, this was, and remember, this is 2012, 2013. So LinkedIn wasn't the tool that it is now. And um, during that time when I was at Paychex, I had, I want to say it was almost 60 or 70 what they call in-mails. Uh, you know how people say on Instagram and Twitter, they say slide in, or I guess on X someone will slide into someone's DMs, right? And so on LinkedIn, the running joke is that someone slides into your in-mails. And so I had about 60, 70 in-mails from all these med device recruiters. And uh, I talked to uh, one of them and he had basically told me that he was like, hey, I have this medical device job. You'd be a great fit. The com these companies love hiring former athletes. And I kept thinking, I was like, why? I was like, what? <laughs> what's in it for them? And and he just said, he's like, you guys have all had surgeries and injuries and you're competitive and it's the first one in, last one out mentality. Um, fast forward, I interviewed with a company called Stryker and I fainted on my field ride at the hospital because I have a very low pain tolerance when I see something gory and they were performing surgery on a young man's head and I just couldn't handle it in the OR. And um, But what happened was how I kind of fell into this was... The recruiter that I was working with, I was, which happened, you know, to be a different recruiter at the time, 
who was trying to get me the job, I had told her, I was like, hey, I have all these disgruntled coworkers at Paychecks. And they're all trying to get into this industry, little did I know. And so I told her, I was like, listen, I was like, I can just refer them to you if you want. And I said, you know, and she told me, she was like, hey, if you give me the list of your coworkers that are looking with their email and their phone number, she's like, I'll take care of the rest. And she said, I'll pay you for it. And me being 25, 26 years old at the time, I was thinking like, okay, this is, what is she going to give me like 50 bucks for referral here? And, and I didn't realize she was actually going to split the commission on the deals with me. And so I didn't, and so I kind of fell into it. We wound up together, this lady and I wound up placing seven people from, from my office in Orange County uh, in these med device jobs. And that, that's how it happened. And, and, then, and then it just took a life of its own on. Yeah, I didn't. So I didn't really understand um, what I was really getting into. I just I just knew that because everybody that I talked to that didn't get the jobs were still great people. They were former athletes like me and some of the people that I placed were former athletes like me. And but I knew I was having fun and I was just like, man, we can all kind of relate to the same thing. We're all in the same boat here. And um, and it just you know, I, I told myself I went to my parents and I said, look, I was like, I this is what happened. And I said, this is where I'm at with this company. I was like, I'm going to pivot into this full time. Um, I had, you know, for, I've been fortunate enough to save up enough for about a year or two to survive. And I just said, I was like, worst case scenario will lead to something else. Something good, hopefully. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, it's been a little over 10 years now. It's except <laughs> what a fascinating story. Nice. Uh, I, I, and what I find fascinating as well is when, as I see your personal branding and in a world of hyper niche branding, hyper personalized branding, boom, big headline ranked in the top 1% by LinkedIn for sales recruiting. Like you make no bones about the fact that a lot of people, uh, here's what I'm great at is basically what you're saying. Here's what I'm great at. And here's my trophies. Come look at them. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I learned. It's a wonderful so, thing. I, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I we celebrate that. We, if you had Stanley Cups or, or you know, any any World Series trophy behind you, they're they're behind you. They're not in the closet. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And so, and and I learned. I mean, I you know, I I, got, I feel like I got pretty fortunate because when I pivoted into this in 2013, it was a time I think when LinkedIn was starting to pivot as well. Yeah. And they were starting to incorporate hashtags. They were starting to let you post more than one picture. They were starting to let you post videos. And in 2015, I kind of realized, I was like, all right, nobody has, no other recruiters are putting videos out there, at least that I can see that are my age. At the time, I was 28, 29, and I'm, I'm going to be 37 later this year. And so I was looking at kind of the landscape, and I was like, all right, let me put my broadcasting hat on here, and let me make a quick five minute video of this is some recruiting advice for candidates that are actively looking, or this is what you do on a resume. And this is what you do, you know, in, you know, this is the attire that you need to wear because there's a lot of things keep when people are interviewing for these jobs, you'd be surprised, man. I mean, I joke with people, if you ever having a bad day and you want to hear the stories that we hear on the phone from managers or from some of my recruiting partners, like you'll, you'll probably, you'll, You'll probably laugh pretty hard with that jar of peanut butter. It'll be you'll you'll need to you'll need to eat that to calm yourself down. Let's put it that way. So the no November won't be in effect with that. <laughs> so that's uh, 
I'm sure you have tons of stories, which which obviously is a good reason for the podcast coming up. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about before we go before we continue down down your journey of, of uh, down your journey. What what your experience as a pro basketball player in the British Basketball League, right? You you played you played pro sport. Right. How did that set you up for business? And how do you how did you, you know, how do you take some of those things you learned there to what you do in business day to day today? Yeah, so it was uh, it wasn't the best experience um, just because, you know, I mean, I was on a circuit. I was trying out. Um, I flew myself out there. Unfortunately, I didn't make a team. Uh, there was even one game where I think from what I, I mean, you know, a lot of it, I try to block it out because it didn't it wasn't the best experience. I had one good game where I think I had what eight or nine. I'm a catch and shoot guy. So I had about eight or nine threes. And then unfortunately, the next game, I think the guy that I was guarding, he scored. I think he dropped 51 or 52 on me. So um, I got cut immediately, like from that tryout. They were just like, hey, we've, we've seen enough. And and it's a business. And it doesn't matter what level you're at in the professional ranks, like whether it's the highest level in the NBA or, you know, the minor league, which now is the NBA G League. At the time, it was the D League. Like, I joked with my friends. I got cut mid-workout in 2009. Yeah, like in, a, in an NBA D League trial, I literally got cut in the middle of a layup drill. We had to do this, this, we had to do these certain cuts, and I just kept doing it wrong. But I was still able to, you know, get past the defender and get my shot off. And I was just like, hey, I can care less. I'm gonna, I'm still gonna do it just to do it. And they were just like, hey, you know, they didn't even say my name. I think my jersey number was like 238 or something. They were like 238, like you're, you're out, go. We've seen enough. And but what I learned was that you know, big picture, you're going to hear no a lot. It's going to be competitive, but you have to, it's kind of like what Tom Brady says, you have to come back every single day, no matter what. And you have to compete because if you compete even a little bit, it'll lead to something, it'll unlock something in you. And and that's what I've learned throughout all this. That's what being a, an athlete taught me. My, my my audience of retired athletes and, and business leaders, especially the retired athlete in this situation, uh, used to have saying no to a lot and then had a wonderful professional career and then scared of what happens once the pro career is over, right? And and overcoming that resilience. You stumbled into your, you, you said yourself, you stumbled into your, your career uh, within medical sales devices. However, prior to that, you had a breakdown, you said, with your parents. And you, was it an identity situation of, I've been an athlete, I wanted to be a broadcaster, I now have no clue where the hell I'm going now? Yeah, great question. Uh, I wouldn't say an identity issue. I would say it was more because I'll backtrack too, if you don't mind. Like I, so for me, like playing at the University of Arizona, which is a you know, major powerhouse Division I college for basketball players, uh, the nickname for U of A is Point Guard U, uh, because a lot of the great point guards in NBA history have come, you know, in the last 30, 35 years have come from U of A. You got Steve Kerr, Damon Stoudemire, uh, Gilbert Arenas. Uh, I think now I'm trying to think who else. He's on the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but uh, it'll come back to me. But there's been a lot of great guards. Uh, TJ McConnell, I'm sorry, that's his name. So there's been just a lot of great guards that have come from U of A. So even as a walk-on, I was the last guy on the bench, but I was treated like I was averaging 20 and five and five and I was an All-American. And the love that they show you when you're an 18 to 22-year-old while you're still wearing the jersey was second to none. Um, I would get notoriety pretty much wherever I would go, uh, in airports, you know, across the country. 
um, people knew me. They were just like, oh, like they're like, you're the guy at the end of the bench that always waves a towel, like on Sports Center, and like so I was getting that type of love. So it kind of went to my head a little bit. And when that ended, you know, just like that, like it was a it was a kick in the ass. It was it was a shell shock moment because I wasn't prepared. I was so heads down focused on being a hooper and being in that world. That's where the struggle came in. And that's where, like, it was hard to accept, like, okay, this is really not going to happen anymore. Um, and so I think that the, the breakdown came because I just wasn't prepared for, I think, for even as a, as a walk-on, like, for life after being an athlete. And, um, and I'm happy to say that's, that's probably what that job at Paychex did. It taught me a little bit more structure. Uh, I had all the, all the things I learned from being an athlete, you know, like the work ethic and the getting up at 5 a.m., going to sleep at, you know, 10 or 11 PM and, you know, not getting, you know, not like doing stuff on a three or five hour sleep tank. Right. And, you know, you learn all those things when you're an athlete, you just learn how to grind through, but, but yeah, I definitely was not prepared the way that I probably should have been um, like 10, 11, probably 11, 11 years ago. David, I want to, I want to throw a clip your way. I want to show you something. It's about, uh, but a, a 90 second clip here, uh, NHL re- Retired NHL hockey player, played for 13 years pro, uh, uh, 10 years in the NHL, uh, talks about his struggles like you did. Now, I want to show you the clip and get your comments on it, okay? It's just, I'm going to flip it on here for a second. Hey, everybody, you got Keith Billis here, live in the lab. We're announcing a brand new segment. It's called After the Buzzer, Life After the Game with Dale Weiss. So, who's Dale Weiss? Well, that's a good question. At the moment, I am a 35-year-old father of four. I'm working my way through a a new adjustment in life. I retired two years ago from hockey. I I think I'm just trying to find that next stage in life and where I'm going. We spoke about identity. We spoke about loss of identity. I was in the NHL for 10, and then professionally, I was uh, 13. We're building up a brand new show here. We're looking to speak to retired athletes like yourself. We're looking to speak to business guys who are trying to get to that next stage in life. We invite you guys to join us weekly to connect, to share Dale's experiences as an athlete whose identity has been as an athlete. Everything in my whole life since I was five years old, I've identified as a hockey player. From the time I was five years old, my only dream was to be a hockey player. And when you talk about identity for me, I'll admit I, I don't know what my identity is anymore. Like I said, from five to 33, I was a hockey player, identified as a hockey player. I spoke of myself in my own personal thoughts as Dale Weiss, the hockey player. I'm struggling mentally with kind of just letting go of the spotlight a little bit. That feeling that I would get on a Saturday night walking into the Bell Center. You got the cameras on you, you got your sharps. You're just trying to find that feeling and, and, and just trying to find that identity outside of hockey, something I'm really struggling with. That's a lot to unpack. I can't imagine the emotion of going from being on stage in front of 20,000 people, putting you on a pedestal, and then it's all gone. Yeah, it, it was. It was for me. And I think that's something maybe I'm, I'm still struggling with and I need to just let go. If you can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, probably not as much as he can because he did it at a way higher level for a lot longer than I did. So, I mean, you talk about that's a guy 13 years, you know, 10 of them at the highest level that you can get in his sport, right, at the NHL. So, um, seems like a really, really good guy, though. And, and I feel like I've I feel like I've heard his name before. I don't follow hockey that much, but I feel like I've seen his name like online and, and just when he was in the NHL. So, um, I mean, you know, kudos to him for coming forward. And I think for, you know, for admitting that 
he's looking for that next step and what he's going to do. I think that's the, that's, I, that's, I think the, the biggest thing with being an athlete, I think no matter what level you're at, like when it's, when it's in you, it's very hard to get out of your system, you know, and no matter if you're a, a 10, 11 year NHL pro a pros pro like that guy, or someone even like myself who was at the end of the bench, um, you know, and maybe only got two or three minutes of playing time, you know, cause I backed up five guys that went to the NBA. And so it's a, I, I can definitely understand where he's coming from, but I think for him, his, his is probably, and, and this isn't a knock. I'm saying it's probably, it's probably a lot more for him because he was at the highest of high of level that you could be at as an athlete. So, but I think if he has a good support system, which sounds like he has a great family, I'm, I'm sure he'll be able to pivot and, and figure out what he's meant to do with his life after hockey. But Dale's well on his way to pivoting. He's a successful business guy. He's a real estate investor. and and uh, But we've been talking about this for a while now, and, and he's been very vulnerable with me. And I said, well, listen, let's let's go tell your story. So we invited Dale into the lab, and he's now involved in the Business Athlete Performance Lab to, to bring on guys like Dale, guys like yourselves that – really know where to share those stories and express themselves and then figure out what is next when, when, when you've lived such a structured lifestyle. And Dale talks about in the show, Dropping This Friday, a little plug for the show, Dropping This Friday, he talks about how the last three years have been a real struggle for him. You know, going from that structured lifestyle, that team, being part of a team, right, David? And then all of a sudden, boom, uh, where'd the team go? Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. I mean, I know for, I think for me, it took, and I have no problem admitting this because I graduated college and I played at Arizona from 2005 to 2009, uh, did the whole overseas and, and minor league basketball circuit from yeah. 2009 to 2010. It took me probably a legit five years to actually be like, all right, like Arizona, University of Arizona basketball was one part of my life. And now I've pivoted into this other part of being a small business owner, you know, and a, and a med device recruiter. And so um, once I understood, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good at something else. That's what was able to help me, you know, kind of move on. This is fascinating because this weaves really into, I, I would invite you to check out our show yesterday with Dr. Sarah Lavelle. She talked about guys like yourselves, guys like Dale, guys like myself. I've gone through this myself in my business career, learning how to accept what's next, mm-hmm. right? So you said yourself, it took you five years to recognize, okay, I'm, I'm going to put this in air quotes to those that are listening on the podcast. I'm just a very successful medical device sales professional who probably makes a lot of cash on a consistent basis, but I'm not, but I haven't wrapped my head around the fact that I'm not standing in the middle of the court with a microphone in my hand. That's, that's the balance the struggle you have in your head, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, for, for a couple of years, like I didn't, I didn't watch the NBA. Um, I didn't yeah. watch basketball. Yeah. For about a good three or four years. And, and, uh, I mean, I didn't watch it consistently. I would watch. I would. You be stepped away from the game, though, didn't you? Yeah, well, because like you would see people on the sideline, you would see people, and you'd be like, "Oh, like I, I remember seeing that person at an interview at like for the Pac-12 Network, and now they're in the NBA Finals courtside, like you know, giving an update for you know a radio show or something or a TV show, or or you see people when you. I mean, I went to a. I think it was a Clipper game like six years ago. And I remember seeing like seeing this, this girl on the sideline and I was like, man, I was like, she looks so familiar. And then someone told me they're like, Oh, that's so-and-so she works for NBA TV. I was like, Oh, I interviewed with her back in 2011. And so, and you know, you can kind of look back on it and be like, Oh, like it's crazy. Like where life's journeys take you. But 
yeah, I was, I was definitely a little, I was a little salty for a while. And, and then, but I got so entrenched in what I was doing now that I kind of realized I was like, Hey, they got their journey. I got mine. And then, you know, you just move onward and upward. So we've set the stage who David Bag is. I think we all have a clear point of view of who David is. And we weaved LinkedIn into the conversation and, and the way you've been able to utilize these tools to your advantage a few moments ago. But I want to bring us back to LinkedIn. You've got over 37,000 followers. You've done a really wonderful job building your network. LinkedIn is different today than it was 10 years ago. How has LinkedIn changed in the last 15 months? And how are you using your 37,000 plus followers to leverage your network on a daily basis? So I think LinkedIn has changed in the last probably 15 months. Uh, I would say that now I think it's becoming almost kind of a, uh, like a better platform. It's almost like a springboard for a small business owner, someone like myself. Um, Cause I think, you know, like I was saying earlier, Keith, like I don't have any other social media. Uh, LinkedIn is my, I mean, I don't, I don't have or want kids, but LinkedIn is my baby. Like my LinkedIn page is, is literally like my baby. Like I check it every day. I'm, you know, refreshing it every day. I'm giving it the proper treatment every day. I'm making sure that I can tell this is the best possible, this is the best possible profile that I can put out there for, you know, for my followers and most of them are candidates, which I love talking to and helping. But I think that uh, just the amount, the amount of content that somebody can post has changed a lot. Um, I think now, I think LinkedIn used to give you, I think, what, four slots for pictures. Now it's, I think, nine or 10. And I think that'll change at a certain point because I remember when I had Instagram, you could, if you were going to do like what they call like a photo dump, you could do like photos and videos in the same posting, right? Like, I think that'll eventually be LinkedIn too. I think it would help, it would help LinkedIn a lot more if they did that because doing the separate posting can get a little tedious, but I think it really, it, to me, the, the word I always think of is a springboard. That's the key word that comes over and over in my head again. And, but the, the thing that people have to keep in mind is that you have to, you have to, in my opinion, you have to stay in your lane on LinkedIn. Like I'm not a political person. I'm not in that arena, nor do I want to be. So I'm not going to comment on that stuff. Um, just because number one, it, you know, I'm, I, I have LinkedIn to recruit candidates for med device sales jobs and be a med device recruiter and a small business owner. The only other stuff that I will post on there besides medical device jobs is anything basketball related because I was a former college and pro basketball player. Other than that, there's nothing that I'm going to put on there because in this, everything is so transparent now. And everything is so, um, what's the word? Every, every, you know, everybody lives in a glass house mm-hmm. and you can get in trouble in my opinion, by, by trying to be those type of people, whether you're on one side or the other. And so for me, it's my, my, in my head, it's like, okay, focus on that craft, focus on your craft and just leave it at that. And, but try and put it on steroids if you can in a, in a positive way. I'm very fortunate to meet a brand new person every single day. We do the show noon minus five GMT Monday to Friday on YouTube, LinkedIn X. What is one thing you would teach me? And that's my goal every single day to learn from my guests. What's one thing you would teach me about LinkedIn today? Say, Keith, you need to know this. Is it the stay in your lane comment or is there something even more specific? Teach me something, teach my audience something about LinkedIn. That's going to make, make my life better at the end of the show. Uh, well, the stay in your lane thing is just just to be, I always take the approach of it's better to be safe than sorry, because 
you know, for example, if, if you're a candidate and you post something about the state of the union right now with the politics or with the, you know, with people like that, a company might see that and they might be like, hey, Dave, we're not, we're not going to hire Keith because of what he's saying about the GOP or the, or the left or the right. Like, so that's, we just, we just try to tell candidates that just to make them realize like, hey, you just got to play this safe, right? Like, but the one thing I would say is that just don't be afraid to post every day. I mean, there's stuff that I post and people won't even like it or comment. I don't care because it's, I know it's like, hey, like this is helping this is helping my small business. This is helping my page and it's building kind of, it's continuing to build, you know, my small brand on LinkedIn. And I like that you said, I don't care because too many people think that everybody else is caring, but you're like, yeah. no, I'm just posting. Cause I don't care. It's for my business. Right. That's your yeah. attitude, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, for me personally, like I, I think I really stopped caring when I became, when I turned 30, I was like, all right, I have a system in place. I understand what I'm doing now. Like this is every couple times a week. This is, and I still don't really understand algorithms or, or stuff like that. I just know it's like, hey, I'm a Michael Jordan guy, so I love doing the MJ Monday post. I mean, you see him hanging up right behind me. It's like that's my inspiration. Like I was a '90s kid. I take his mentality that he had and I apply it to my small business. Um, and you know, when and this is, I mean, this is my Med Device book that came out back in 2017, and I think I was posting like every holiday for like three or four years, just me in the book, like with a Santa hat or with something like that or with Thanksgiving stuff or with Halloween stuff. And it was just trying to build like my small business brand because I knew I was like, all right, this is what I have to do it myself. No one's going to do it for me. But um, I don't know him personally, but I've, I've watched a lot of what he said. And I remember Gary Vaynerchuk, he came out with this uh, guide. I think it was called like the 98... 98 cents or 98 two cents content guide and and his main message in there is like you can't be afraid to post every day on linkedin if you have to um because he said he was like what do you think companies are doing on twitter and on instagram like they're trying to sell their product to, to us or they're trying to promote something and so i took that approach too but that's what i've learned and that would be my my big thing is that do not be afraid to post on linkedin every day because you know all it takes is a couple people to like and comment and then more people see it and they're like, hey, what he's what he or she's doing is interesting. You can't catch any fish if you're if you don't have a hook in the water, right? Exactly. It's as simple as that, isn't it? But yet we're also scared to throw the to throw the you know the hook in the water. Yeah. I think um I think because too it's you know again not having the other not being a part of the, those other social media worlds, I think a lot of people and you probably see it I'm sure with the with other guests that you have on like, you know, and as I saw, I noticed you guys are on Instagram too. You probably see there's so many people that are influenced by that world and their whole life is shattered if they're not having like the, you know, the promotion on that world, right? Or mm -hmm. on those other social media platforms. That's what I've seen too. And we've, uh, we've made a concerted effort to focus our efforts on LinkedIn. Our audience is definitely there. You know, we, I will admit to you, entrepreneur to entrepreneur, when we started out, we threw a wide net, we we're doing too much and, it, and much of it was failing. It was like, all right, it's we're, we're not doing a really good job failing right now. So let's start pulling it back in, pulling it back in, pulling it back in. And we've been really honing in on on growing on LinkedIn and then, and then going from there. So, uh, and truthfully, I'm not gonna lie to you straight up to you, looking at what you're doing going okay well look at what's what's Baga doing because whatever he's doing he's having success right so it's, it's, it's follow the leader and i will tell you imitation is the sincerest form of flattery <laughs> hey, you know what thanks man because hey, i'll say this on my mj monday post that's half the stuff that i post is me in like the jordan shoes 
And yeah. Coach puts you next to MJ, like, hey, invitation's flattery, right? So, um, no, I appreciate that. I mean, but yeah, I think I think the more and more, I think the more and more you put yourself out there, as long as it's, in my opinion, as long as it's nothing that is damaging, I think what you're doing, right? I think it always leads to something something better, like to to help promote your brand on on LinkedIn and what you're doing too. I mean, because I know for me personally, if I got super political on LinkedIn, there would probably be emails in my inbox from candidates saying, hey, I don't want to work with you anymore. Right. And so and I'm aware of that. And um, and, I've, and I've seen that from certain candidates, too, that that post political stuff. And and, you know, it's like, hey, just focus on getting their resume to the manager or yeah. to the person we need to and then move on. David, you're a true business athlete. We're coming towards the wrap-up of our hour here, and i got a couple last questions before we say goodbye together. You, you're absolutely a business athlete. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. What do you do on a daily basis today to take care of David the human, the machine, the mind, the body, the physical soul? What do you do, David? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, so I, uh, so there's a couple things. Um, I, you know, for me, from, from a physical standpoint, uh, I work out six out of seven days a week. I take one day uh, where I actually, you know, no pun intended, I live in the lab, um, nice. which is, and I stretch uh, for about an hour, um, just everything, core, hips, legs, just my whole body just to kind of get right uh, for the week mentally. Um, and so I lift about five days a week. Uh, I can't play basketball for another couple months. Uh, I have a partially torn Achilles right now. So Yikes. that kind of sucks, but I'm, you know, I'll be back uh, probably end of January. So um, mentally, uh, I'm only finished physically. So I'm doing the spin bike about three times a week too, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, mentally, I meditate every morning for about 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, I just, I have my goals written down. I read them. Um, and I look at them every single morning before I start work. And, and then, uh, I watch a clip from the last dance documentary, um, because I, I watched the, uh, the little opening clip of Michael Jordan saying when he's in the practice facility called the Berto center. And he says, let's put things aside and focus on that crap. So it, it kind of gets me going. Cause I kind of feel like, all right, he's talking to me indirectly being like, Hey man, Whatever BS you have in your personal life, outside of work, put it aside and focus on that craft until you get to the weight room or until you get to the court later that night. Um, you're outside of work. <laughs> so, yeah. That's exceptional. What, what, a, what, a, what an inspiring uh, bit of uh, uh, routine you frankly have. Like that, that's, a, that's, that's a way to live a structured, you know, sustainable lifestyle as far as I'm concerned. David, Talk to me about the podcast. That's what brought me here. So I saw the podcast. I was like, I'm intrigued by what's David, what David's launching here. Corporate hoops. Take a quick moment to, 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 to plug the podcast. Yeah. So the podcast is called Corporate Buckets. And, Corporate Buckets. Um, sorry. No, no, it's all, all good, man. All good. And um, and yeah, and I'm looking forward to you know talking to you later this week too, as well. Yes. So hear your story. So, um, so yeah, how it started was uh, my nickname in the men's leagues out here. Because uh, we had some med device reps that were playing in our men's basketball leagues out here in Orange County. And since 2018-ish in that range, uh, I would have some of these games where I would have 30, 40, 50 points. And, you know, and some of the guys would tell me, they'd be like, man, they're like, you, your nickname is Corporate Buckets. And I was like, why? And they're like, because you played at Arizona, you backed up all these guys that went to the NBA. 
you run this small corporate med device recruiting company, then you come here and you just give buckets. And, and so for me personally, all my friends, like if, if, if you and I, if you were one of our, our guys that played basketball, like I would, I call everybody their name and then I put buckets at the end of it. So when I'm greeting my friends, I'll be like, Oh, Hey, what's up? Keith buckets. What's up? Grant buckets. How you doing? Josh buckets. Like, and so it just kind of became, you know, for the last five years or so, like my personality and, and, you know, I just, I love talking to anything and anybody related to sports or business or small business, like, you know, I just anything like that. And I love to talk. And um, so I was like, you know what, it'd be fun to do a, a podcast called corporate buckets. And so I, I wanted to kind of test it out first. I wanted to be like, all right, let me get a logo and then let me show it to my friends and my parents and my girlfriend to be like, Hey, what do you guys think? would you actually like listen to this? And number one, like, and then number two, could I actually get people that would want to like share their story that I yeah. could put on LinkedIn? Because every, every day, every week on LinkedIn, I get about 30 plus or 40 plus messages from people asking like, Hey, what's your advice to start a business? And I'm just like, Hey, listen, I'm a small business owner. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a big business owner here. I would just say, find what you love and then do it. And, and, you know, and look at the person in the mirror and know that you're going to battle every day with that person. And um, in August, my girlfriend, uh, who's from Australia, she got an email from this group called the Players Impact. And they, uh, they're a wonderful organization. Uh, they were started six years ago in 2017 by this lady named Tracy DeForge. And uh, Lonnie Paxton is their main board member. Um, he, he was a three-time Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. And so she got invited to the event. She was like, hey, do you want to come with me? She's like, maybe you can kind of show people what you're working on. And at first I was a little hesitant. I was like, you know, probably not. But then I went and I ran into some people that I knew. And I talked to, uh, I talked to Lonnie and he put me in touch with Tracy. And I just said, I was like, hey, here's what I'm doing. I just said, I would love to partner with you guys and interview all your athletes and tell their stories. And so that's how it happened. And um, so, that's so it's been a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be a weekly show on, on LinkedIn. And, and um, but yeah, it's for me, it's a hobby. I mean, I want to help as many people as I can just get their stories out there, you know, and, and, and the advice is the biggest thing too, Keith. I mean, I know for, for me being 30, almost 37 now, I wish I had advice from people like like yourself you know 15 years ago when i was 21 22 because um i mean now there's so much advice that you can get out there and you mm -hmm. have so many resources to be successful mm -hmm. and that's my that's been my goal of it so yeah corporate buckets corporate buckets david bagger I, I i sense a collab brewing I sense a collab brewing with the Business Athlete Performance Lab and what you're doing on over there. So we'll talk about that in a few, you know, off off air. But before we say goodbye, one last thing. It's yeah. no month. And I'm challenging. And, you know, you have the privilege of being the first person in the seat. My, my future guests don't know this yet. But I'm saying no to peanut butter for the month. Uh, it is my poison. As much as I can say no to everything, for some reason, peanut butter always weaves its way back into my life. And a guy who's as structured and sustainable and as neurotic as I am, peanut butter always gets in the way of things for me. So I'm like, all right, it's, no, it's November, no month. I'm going to challenge you to pick something, your poison, and put it aside for the month of November. And let's have some fun with us on LinkedIn for the next month. Can you, uh, will you accept my challenge? 
Yes, I will accept your challenge. And uh, for me, it will be, I'm going to say, so my guilty pleasure is the uh, the chips Doritos. Um, <laughs> yeah. So every time I'm watching a movie, uh, every time, I mean, I'm a huge superhero fan. So when I, when the Marvel movies come out, when the Batman movies come out, uh, I will, I will bring a party size bag of Doritos. <laughs> of course and, you do. You're uh, a party size dude though. Yeah, I'll sneak them under my jacket, and uh, and I'm not ashamed to say this. The bag will be gone within like the, the chips will be gone within like five minutes, and so. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that's my guilty pleasure. So that'll be my no month, uh, no Doritos November. All right, so you heard it here. You heard it here, audience. David Bag is putting no down for the Dorito chips, and and I'm putting down the peanut butter. You're gonna watch us have some fun and collab across LinkedIn for the next month, David. This will be fun. Uh, I'm gonna be on your show coming up, and we'll talk about no month, and maybe some of your audience might just jump on board this as well. And maybe between corporate uh, buckets and the you know, and live in the lab, we can have some fun with this over the next month, and we can start something around no month. Yeah, I'm excited. Looking forward to it. Awesome. David, thanks for joining me today in the lab. If you got a quick second to hang out in the green room while, while I say goodbye to the audience, um, I clearly got to have you back because an hour was not enough for the stories you have to tell and the energy you bring to the lab. So thanks for coming today. Thank you, Keith. Keep up the great work, and uh, it was a pleasure to be on, man. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Hang tight for one quick second. I'm going to flip you out of here, and I'm going to go here and then back over there hey that was a lot of fun david baga corporate buckets live in the lab today you heard him his no pledge for the month is no doritos for the month so we're going to hold him to that and we're going to have some fun for the whole month i'm joining his podcast coming up on uh you'll, you'll find us on linkedin uh today's show you'll find it across linkedin x youtube we're streaming into all the platforms these days things are rocking and rolling go back to the beginning of the show i think it'll inspire you and then find yourself in the middle now about three quarters in, you'll hear you'll hear David's uh, David's routine, um, and I think you'll be inspired. I'm Keith Billis. I'm live in the lab. I'm live every single day, Monday to Friday, noon Central Time. You'll find us on LinkedIn, YouTube, and X. I'm Keith. I'm out of here. Yeah, there's that button thing again. We're gonna go here, and then we're gonna go there, there.